Welcome to the Unstoppable Yes You podcast, where we celebrate the fierceness, resilience, and achievements of Caribbean people to inspire and give hope to the next generation. I'm your host, Carlos Philip. In this series, we share personal stories of struggles and triumph as a source of inspiration for teens and young adults. In this episode, we're speaking with Amber Lewis of St. Thomas Virgin Islands. In her early teens, Amber experienced and witnessed violence at school and in her surrounding neighborhood. As you would imagine, this constant violence was not conducive to a steady learning environment and state of mind. Amber skipped school, she felt withdrawn from her parents, and battled with anxiety and depression. These adversities did not stop Amber from graduating high school as the valedictorian and pursuing her career goals. In this episode, Amber shares her story of overcoming both external and internal hardships. Welcome, Amber. Hi, Carlos. How's it going? Great. It's so nice to have you today. It's really nice to be on. Tell us, what was your experience like growing up in St. Thomas? Uh, St. Thomas is a U.S. territory, and so it's a bit of a melting pot. For example, I was born and raised in St. Thomas, but my parents, my entire family, is from the island of Dominica. And so I know a large percentage of us, our parents or grandparents are from elsewhere, um, which makes for a very unique experience in the household. You hear French Creole in my case, but you know, in school we speak our St. Thomian dialect. At home I'm using like a fish broth, you know, Accra. And then, you know, when I go out with my friends, we're getting Johnny cakes, we're getting fried fish, we're getting pâtés. It was, it was quite the experience. I had a lot of fun growing up. Of course, I always wanted to live on the mainland like so many other Caribbean uh, children, but it it was a good time. I had a lot of fun growing up in St. Thomas. Great. Uh, What was your your neighborhood like where you grew up? I grew up in two neighborhoods when I was a kid. So my first couple of years, up until I was, I believe, 10, I lived in what we call the Sugar Estate neighborhood um, in this little complex called Burnett Towers. And funny enough, it was actually only separated by a road from this housing projects called the Pearson Garden housing community, better known as the ghettos. At night, you would hear gunshots. We were robbed quite a few times. I remember seeing the SWAT team at night coming in to, I guess, find a drug dealer. I don't know. But it was that type of environment. Up until I was 10, we lived there in a two-bedroom apartment, five of us, myself, my brother and my sister, I'm the eldest, and my brother is a year younger. My sister is four, four and a half years younger than me. We shared a bunk bed. So, of course, at a certain age, that wasn't going to work anymore. And so my parents decided it was time to move into a bigger place. And we moved on the other end of the island in the Anna's Retreat community, which was definitely a little bit more safe. What sort of challenges do you feel that you faced in those early years? Uh, quite a few if- if I had to think back, I think my experience just to, to start off is not unique compared to my peers growing up in St. Thomas. For instance, when we moved to the Anna's Retreat community on the other end of the island, of course, that's because my parents were Dominicans. So I was considered one of the smart kids. And, you know, I do a pretty good job of trying to find my way and find my tribe. Found a pretty good group of friends, but it was definitely not an easy transition, especially because at the time, uh, school fights were a huge thing. 
um, not only at my middle school, but across the island, across the territory, I would even go ahead to say there were times where I felt like the entire school was fighting. Kids were getting tasered. I remember a kid got had to get airlifted out because I think someone hit him with a rock in his head and was causing a lot of brain damage. People died after we graduated from middle school going into high school. And mind you, we're not, I wasn't even 14 yet. I think I was 13 going into high school and these things were happening. And so that definitely was not the smoothest middle school experience. And middle school in general isn't easy. I think if I had to be a teacher, I would tell them that I'm not taking middle schoolers because they're going through puberty, trying to figure out themselves. And you're just mean at that age. And and coupling that with just the drama, the violence, it definitely was tough. Did your attitude or behavior change any, just being surrounded by so much violence? Of course. So I think not only just going through puberty, you, you get withdrawn and you don't feel as connected with you know, your parents, your siblings, your household. But I personally, I started to get a little bit snappy, irritable, thinking about how am I going to survive in school the next day? Is this person going to get hurt? And then you're just thinking about the typical middle school stuff. You know, does this guy like me? What's going on with my body? You know, I have all of these hormones and things going on with me. So it's just a very confusing period. Um, And I just remember always being on edge and feeling isolated, feeling alone. Although I had a group of friends, I had my siblings, I had my parents, I had teachers who really believed in me and who looked out for me. But at the same time, it was still really difficult and got to the point where I I did a stint in anger management. It was very short-lived. I think I only went to like two sessions. A teacher recommended that I do it. But that's just just goes to show that, you know, that's kind of where my head was at, at that age. The fact that I needed anger management, and I was feeling withdrawn, and, and all of these things were going on. So it wasn't an easy period of my life. Yeah, that definitely at that age is a lot to have to deal with. You mentioned, although you had friends and family, you still felt alone. And so did that feeling of loneliness force you to seek comfort elsewhere? Uh, I think that's typically the case, for sure. Um, in middle school, I had a boyfriend that, of course, at that age, you think you love so much, and that didn't last. And plus, he went to another high school, and, and I went to a high school on the other end of the island because my parents wanted me to get a fresh start. That's how crazy middle school was. But then in high school, of course, I still didn't work through a lot of those issues. So while my academics were always in order, and I had a really good group of friends in high school as well, it was a new set of friends, I still felt lonely, I still felt misunderstood, I was still working through a lot of different things. And I got into this toxic relationship with an older guy, which was not healthy for me at all, especially as a young girl. And it actually lasted well into early college. So for a couple of years, And that definitely shaded my teenage experience. Of course, like you mentioned, I still managed to graduate out of my high school and get into a good college, do all of these different things. But that definitely impacted my mental health during that time and and even years after. So you attended American University in D.C. Did you find that experience was different from your home life? And did your mental and emotional state improve in the college years? Going to AU, which is what we call American University, it's a 
PWI, so predominantly white institution. And mind you, this is me coming from a predominantly black community from the Caribbean. And so while I did summer programs in high school and I was able to have friendships with different types of people from different walks of life, I had never been in a place where I was the minority. And on top of that, I had never been to D.C. prior to going to school there. I had no family, no friends. So it was, as you can imagine, really difficult just trying to fit in culturally, trying to find myself, my groove. But thankfully, I found a good group of friends there as well who were still friends today. But AU definitely helped to shape the woman that I am. It made me more scrappy. It made me want to hustle more because I always had this feeling that I was behind my peers. These were kids who their parents were ambassadors and politicians and um, worked for big corporations. And I didn't have that. And I always felt like I was behind the curve. And so it just made me want to work harder and hustle harder. And that's exactly what I did. My toxic relationship went on into early college. And so that definitely didn't help my mental health, in addition to just trying to figure out the DC lifestyle. And then college is just hard, you know, on a whole, just having to study. And if you're like me, you had to work and build your resume. So you had to intern. And so it was, it took a toll on my mental health. And I decided to, to do therapy in college I, in my senior year, right after I came back from studying abroad in England, because I realized that I, I needed to talk to someone. I wasn't sleeping well. I had insomnia. I had one or two anxiety attacks. Um, so things were not well. And it was starting to show up physically. And I told myself, like, girl, listen, you need to see someone who is a professional, and that definitely helped me immensely. And, and after that, I think I did therapy for a couple of months, I would say a year. And that definitely helped me and helped my mental health a great deal. That's awesome. I mean, you sound like you powered through college. And like most of us having to work and go to school. And I know when we had spoken, uh, you mentioned that you did some community service or volunteer type activities. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so because of how I grew up, I always wanted to give back if I ever could. And so in college, I got into this leadership program. And one of the, the requirements was to do some type of project that's aligned with your goals and your values. And so at the time, I felt that Black women, Black girls were being overlooked, which is true. We, we were at the time, and we still are to some degree. And so I, I knew what that felt like because, of course, I'm a Black woman. And so I decided to create, I titled The Sister Circle, which was a program that I did in a D.C. charter school for young Black girls to help empower them and to show them that they're loved and that they're valued and how to power through if things, they're facing obstacles and, and life isn't as easy because I, I firsthand know what that's like. And not only did it help the girls, but it, it really helped me. And it was really pretty much a healing process, a healing journey to do that. So I'm really proud of, of that project. Yeah, we are proud of you for doing that. <laughs> Thank you. You juggled many hats and even finding the time to give back, just something that's near and dear to me, something to celebrate. Most of us, when we move away from home or the islands for college, we usually then start looking for a job, you know, in the state that we're in or neighboring cities. 
but you decided to um, move back home. What drove that decision? So let me say, I always said I would never move back to St. Thomas. It's beautiful. It's home. But I just wanted to build a life in the States. And so me making that decision was a big deal. I actually got a really great offer from a very prestigious consulting company back home. And I couldn't turn it down, not only because of the money and the perks, but because it aligned with where I wanted to take my career. My degree, funny enough, is in justice and law with a minor in marketing and my leadership certificate. And I intended to go to law school and change paths a little bit. I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. I was that kid who sold candy in middle school. I've always hustled. And so the offer definitely aligned with where I wanted to take my career. I didn't want to go to law school anymore. I wanted to go into business. And so that offer gave me the opportunity to become a member of a two-year accelerated career program, which basically meant that for two years, I would rotate between the different departments at the company. And so I did finance and analytics, IT, a lot of different fields of study that, first of all, I didn't even know existed, like Lean Six Sigma. That's not something they teach you, you know, in a public high school, especially in the Caribbean. I couldn't turn down that type of opportunity. And, and I took it and it took me back home. And I actually got to experience St. Thomas in a different way, not only now as an adult, but someone with a little bit more disposable income. And so I love being here. I'm actually really enjoying it. It's been a couple of years. I'm enjoying my time here, I must say. So how did that experience sort of open new doors for you in terms of other avenues for career? And what do you currently do? So right now, funny enough, I am the youngest chief policy advisor in the USBI Senate. And I say funny enough because my first major in college was political science. That's why I went to American University, the top poli-sci school in the nation. And of course, as you know, I switched that over to justice and law. So it's funny that I took it back full circle. But being in this position, I actually got this position just to back up a little bit because of a mutual friend who knew the senator who hired me. And that mutual friend I met when I was in high school doing this program called Junior Achievement, which is basically to, to expose students to business and entrepreneurship. Um, so you can kind of see a running theme here um, with entrepreneurship and all of these different things in my life. This mutual friend said, hey, I have this opportunity. I think you'll be a great fit. And then I met with the senator. It was a brief interview and she hired me on the spot and, and the rest is history. Tell us a little bit about your role and what you do to support Senator Fred Gregory. Sure. So I am not only the chief policy advisor, but the brand strategist, even in my business consulting experience. I am in charge of policy. So all of the, the laws that, that are passed and that she, she pushes and crafts, I'm the one who helps her build that language. Um, so I'm in charge of that. And then I'm in charge of all of her marketing efforts. So everything from social media to paid media to traditional media, I'm in charge of. So I kind of play two roles in one. That's awesome. You definitely sound like you have your hands full. As you reflect on your young life, right, what would you say are some of the lessons you've learned or what advice would you give your younger self? I would tell my younger self, like, you deserve it. You are worthy. I think for people who grew up like us, where we didn't have a lot of money in the household and we're part of a minority community, we kind of feel like an opportunity isn't for us. 
And to a certain degree, that might be true. But it only means that you just have to work just a little bit harder, but you belong there and your voice should be heard and you can add value. And, and I really wish that I believed that growing up because I really could have pushed myself even more. I could have applied to more programs, but I didn't believe that it was for someone like me. And now I do and it's gotten, it's opened so many doors for me and and it's allowed me to be fearless in a way. So I really want anyone who's listening to know that they deserve to do it. And they might have to work a little bit harder, but that only makes their journey that much more interesting. So go for it. Yeah, I mean, self-doubt is one of the biggest things we struggle with, not just as, as kids, but even as adults, right? Right. The thing is that if you don't at least attempt, you will not know what you're good at. And there's opportunities for you to learn and grow just from stepping out on faith and sort of putting that fear behind. Definitely sounds like you're a very fearless individual. So that leads me to my um, last and final question. You know, what, what's next for you in terms of personal or, you know, professional ambitions? Right now, I am trying to go back to my entrepreneurial roots. I am getting ready to launch a digital travel agency, the first of its kind in the Caribbean, completely streamlined, completely online, so really affordable, really quick, really seamless, because I feel like people don't come to the Caribbean anymore for sun, sand, and sea. They want to experience culture, the food, the people, but it's really hard to get that type of information on Google, and some people are just not good at planning things. And so I'm getting ready to launch Trek Local, which is the name of the company in a couple of months. I'm really excited about that. And right now I'm actually ghostwriting for a lot of people. So I'm a writer as well. And I love to do that type of work. I'm also dabbling in that again. And of course, I still have my hands full with being chief policy advisor and brand strategist and I'm getting ready to sit my PMP in a couple of weeks. And I want to go back to get my MBA. So a lot going on for me right now, as usual, but I'm excited about the future. I really am. Well, I, I just definitely wish you all the best. Thank you. And despite the fact that you have a lot going on, I have no doubt that you're going to crush it in all aspects. So Emma, thanks for sharing your story with our listeners. And to our listeners, thank you for joining. To receive new episodes of this series directly in your inbox, Subscribe to our mailing list by visiting our website at www.unstoppableyesyou.com. Don't forget to join the Unstoppable Yes You community on Facebook and Instagram.